hardheads, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are in this wonderful world of ours. Welcome to the Hard Headed Sports Podcast, episode number 13, hosted by me, Nick Ryan. It's great to see you all today. For me, it is a tale of two shows. On Wednesday, I woke up feeling great. I got all the sleep I could ever want. I felt re-energized. I was able to sit at my desk, have a cup of coffee after taking a nice hot shower, and just relax and get myself into focus mode before the show. This morning, I got to do absolutely none of that. Uh, team No Sleep, working hard <laughs> today. Uh, didn't get enough sleep, only got four or five hours. I'm behind on the show today. I had to break, again, one of the cardinal rules of doing any public speaking. I had to have some dairy. I've got my coffee in front of me. And some water, so hopefully it, this won't become too lip-smacky. I can already hear myself getting lip smacky, but regardless of that, uh, didn't get enough sleep, didn't really get a chance to sit down, relax before the show, we're going to have to do this pretty much in one take, but that's okay, I've got some really exciting stuff on the show today that I just can't wait to get into, so let's, you know, go ahead and get into it. Uh, one, one, of the, one of the things that I've wanted to do on the show but really haven't been able to do yet is have a, a featured segment that will keep people coming back and something that people can look forward to in the week. And it's something that I've wanted to do for a while, but haven't really found the right time to do it. Um, I wanted to start this specific segment, of which I'm introducing now. I wanted to start this after the Super Bowl, but you know, some quick rudimentary math just pointed out to me that, wow, there's no way that you're going to be able to get in every single team like you want to um, without completely <laughs> running yourself mad. You're not going to be able to fit all 32 teams in before or in between the time that the Super Bowl ends and the time that the draft begins. So the segment that we're doing today and that I'm introducing today, I don't have a name for yet. Um, I could definitely use your help. If you have a good idea for a name of the segment, please leave it in the comment section. DM it to me. Text it to me if you know me personally. Tell me what you think if you have a good idea for the for a name of this segment. Right now, I think I'm going to call it 15-Minute General Manager. Um, and that's not very catchy, so you could see why I'm trying to find another name for it. But essentially, what I wanted to do, and one of the main ideas that I had before starting the Hard Headed Sports Podcast, is I, is I would say, wow, wouldn't it be really nice for everybody to have a simple, less than 15-minute video in which somebody who actually knows what he's talking about and isn't just fantasizing about, you know, a, a trade finder in a, in a video game mode, like putting together all these ridiculous ideas like, oh, um, Tom Brady's going to leave the Buccaneers and go to the Colts this offseason. No, no ridiculous stuff like that. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody had a, a video that was less than 15 minutes in which somebody laid out a smart analytical path forward for their favorite football team in which they would either remain contenders for this upcoming NFL season or they would become contenders for this upcoming uh, NFL season. And I thought, well, that's a really great idea, but that's not necessarily original. So how are we going to really um, implement that in a way that's unique? And I thought, hey, Let's do it off the top of my head at the top of the show. Let's get dangerous with this. Now, obviously, um, I'm not going to do it completely blind because then I'm going to sound like I just don't know what I'm talking about. So I do have my notes in front of me. Um, it's not like word for word as in a script, but I basically have every single team 
with three or four bullet points of facts that I need to know to create a, an informed opinion on what these teams should do during the offseason so that they can either remain contenders or become contenders. And again, I'll be doing this all off the top of my head for the most part in less than 15 minutes. So I thought that was pretty a, a pretty good gimmick or enough of a gimmick to make it something interesting. So um, obviously today it might be a little bit longer than 15 minutes. Who knows? Because I'm having to explain and introduce what the segment is. So I don't know if you can necessarily see this um, here. Let me let me move over the camera here. I don't know if you can see this, but my hat, my Florida State Seminoles hat here has a list of uh, has a little cut out little tiny pieces of paper with um, the names of all 32 NFL teams listed on it. So I am going to um, get my my hat here Ooh. and I'm going to no, I don't want to see this isn't this isn't this isn't the most sturdy <laughs> hat in the world. I'm going to pull a name at random here. And see what we get, okay? And I'm going to be coming back and doing this at least two to three times a week, uh, depending on um, depending on how often I have to do this segment in order for it to be completed uh, by the time the NFL draft comes around. And for the first in for the inaugural team, the first team, you guys will know what it is because it's going to be in the title. But I have no idea what the team is going to be. Uh, the first team is going to be, oh my gosh, that's actually a really good one. I lucked out today. Uh, I don't know how well this is going to translate onto camera, uh, but week uh, episode number one of whatever I'm going to call this, the San Francisco 49ers. So let me go ahead and scroll to the 49ers section in my notes. And again, these notes aren't word for word script. It's basically the cap room, how many picks the team has in this upcoming draft, and some like key bullet points on what the team is going to have to deal with this upcoming offseason. No step-by-step analysis. So I'm going to have to... Okay, I need to take a second and think about this for the 49ers. Um, okay, well, first, maybe let's start off by reading the bullet points. Uh, the things to know about the 49ers. Uh, a 6-10 and record last year in a very good NFC West uh, division, including two wins against the Rams, which obviously that team went to the divisional round this season. It was a team that was up and down across the season, but in the end, still a very good football team. The 49ers have about $9 million in cap space for this upcoming offseason, and they have eight picks in the draft this year. They are receiving a third round compensatory pick. Compensatory? Compensatory? I think that's how you say that uh, a compensate. Let's say a compensation third round pick for losing Robert Sala to the New York Jets to be their head coach. And this is actually really good for the 49ers because they lost a third round pick in the trade for offensive line offensive lineman, Trent Williams, who um, we'll be talking about uh, as, as the segment progresses. So when it comes to the 49ers, what do they need to do to become a contender this year? Next, or for the next season. And I think the first place to start is where do I stand on Jimmy Garoppolo? What do you think about Jimmy Garoppolo? Jimmy Garoppolo is a name that's been thrown around as in he is going to be traded by the 49ers. The 49ers are not sold on Garoppolo anymore. And out of all the quarterbacks, out of all the quarterbacks, right, that have been rumored to be changing teams or are on the trading block or or rumored that their team isn't interested in them anymore, Jimmy Garoppolo is the one that I find the most silly 
and I don't agree with it at all. I think you need to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. I know he had a bad start to the season last season before he got hurt. I know he was not performing well. I know he's going to be coming off an injury next season. But again, out of all the quarterbacks that are going to be rumored or have been rumored to either be traded, released, or replaced this offseason, Jimmy Garoppolo is one that doesn't necessarily make sense to me. And I understand it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. I get that. But the 49ers were absolutely ravaged by injuries this last season, and they still produced uh, some impressive wins, um, I think. And they and they did especially well in their division. They beat the Rams twice. They beat the Cardinals once. Uh, they lost both their games to the Seahawks, but the Seahawks were a pretty decent team this past season. I know it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of league, especially nowadays, but for me, Garoppolo hasn't done enough to lose the starting job. It's not like Jared Goff, who had two mass seasons where you can understand why the Rams would want to trade for somebody like Matthew Stafford and completely shape you know, the offense around a different quarterback after two mass seasons. Garoppolo, even after taking his team to the Super Bowl, had about four bad games at the beginning of the season, and really it was only two games. It was the Miami game where they lost 43-17, to and uh, it, was a, it was another game before that, and I can't remember off the top of my head right now because, again, we're doing this at random, didn't have enough time to research this, or didn't have any time to research. I couldn't have researched it. That's the whole, that's the whole point. Um, I, I don't think that Garoppolo has done enough to lose the starting job yet. And the fact that they're shopping him around is kind of silly to me. I would keep Garoppolo for at least another year, um, especially while you have him on the contract. You, I think he has three years left on his contract off the top of my head. I don't know if there's a player option involved. Maybe some of you 49ers fans could fill me in on that. What do you? I don't know what you all think about Garoppolo. I think he deserves another year. He, his team was ravaged by injuries. He was injured. He only got four games. Who would? Who knows where the 49ers would have been if Garoppolo didn't get hurt? And, you know, maybe, maybe that's a little bit difficult to say. But if anything, the 49ers proved to me last season that the team has tremendous depth and that the team, dra- the team drafted very, very well. Considering that even though a lot of, their, of, of the core players of the team, you know, talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, those uh, uh, D Ford, all of those guys, especially on the defensive end, going uh, on injured reserve, and they were still able to break out and, and win six games in two of those games against a division rival, a division rival that was in the playoffs. It's still very impressive, and I think the story for a lot of the 49ers last season is wow. Look at all of these young players stepping up to replace the starters that are unfortunately going down with an injury. So, in my opinion, when it comes to Garoppolo, you need to give him one more year. The team has done well enough in the draft and has a good enough team to really give Garoppolo the opportunity to run it back another year before you decide whether or not to move on from him. If Garoppolo has another crappy year, then by all means, move on from him. But I think it's a little bit too early for the 49ers to move on from a quarterback that helped take them to the Super Bowl literally one year ago at this point. Uh, the 49ers have, what was it, $9 million in cap room. So with the little amount of cap room that they have left and without going over the cap, they really need to prioritize signing the free agents that are on the roster that are the most important people to re-sign. Um, there are, you need to focus on signing the two best players on the roster. So that would probably, or, or, or that, that are free agents. So that would probably be um, Trent Williams, who is the offensive lineman that the 49ers traded for last season. He had a Pro Bowl quality year. He's probably one of the best offensive tackles in football. You need to keep him because uh, it doesn't matter who is lining up under center for, for the 49ers. If they're getting sacked from their blind side, um, 
that is a no bueno situation. Need to try and resign Trent Williams. I would make that my number one priority. And number two, I would probably try and resign. Oh, it's a toss up. I would probably try and sign Kerry Hyder, who had. Uh... Oh, I'm trying to. Uh, he had about 8.5. I think he had eight or nine sacks. I think it was right in the middle. 8.5 sacks last year, which was in the top percentile of the league. I think he was either 20 exactly or around the 20th uh, 20 mark when it comes to most sacks in the NFL. Uh, had 8.5 sacks last year. Good piece, good uh, rotational player, especially with D. Ford and Nick Bosa coming back this next season. Uh, that defensive line can, can really continue to be one of the best defensive lines in football. Uh, re-sign Kerry Hyder, re-sign Trent Williams. You should focus on those two. Um, and then go to the draft for your other needs. And speaking of the draft, uh, the 49ers have the 12th pick in the draft. And as we'll, you know, as the 49ers are, are again, one of those teams that are in the hunt for a quarterback, even though I think it's silly that Garoppolo has lost his job in one season of four games of, of bad football and, and an injury, and he's lost his job and the 49ers are trying to upgrade. Is, and let me clarify, is Jimmy Garoppolo a world beater at quarterback? No. But has he done enough to be replaced in San Francisco? No, I don't think he has. Um, so with the 12th pick in the draft, the 49ers are in a little bit of a gray area, it, depending on what happens in the first 10 picks. And I feel like we're going to be saying a lot. <laughs> we're going to be saying that a lot on this segment as things move forward. Um, depending on what the 49 or what happens in the first, for, t- first 10 picks, let's say. Uh, depending on what happens in the first 10 picks, it really depends on whether or not the, uh, that, that would really affect how the 49ers handle the draft at the number 12 slot. Um, if I were John Lynch, if there is a big name quarterback available that people still want desperately, I would seriously consider trading back to like, I don't know, maybe the in the, into the 20 somewhere, trade down with somebody like a New England, um, the Jets, if they don't take a quarterback with their second pick. So what one of the things that I think we'll discuss when we talk about the Jets, whenever their name gets randomly pulled from the hat, is do we take a position player at number two and then draft a quarterback later, hoping that somebody falls? And, you know, we also have Sam Darnold, or do we draft a QB with that number two spot? But this is about the 49ers. Focus, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so it's it's difficult like going through all this off the top of your head. Uh, so depending on what happens in the first ten picks, uh, I would seriously consider trading down at the number twelve spot, try and get a couple of picks from a team that doesn't that doesn't want to miss on a quarterback and wants to move up in the draft. So that could be a New England, that could be uh, the Jets, that could be the Colts, that could be uh, Chicago, that could be Washington, um, a couple of teams that are in the running for a quarterback. Otherwise, I think it would, if I, excuse me, if I were John Lynch, I would probably make my my utmost effort in the draft to address the defensive back situation. The 49ers have um, anywhere between four to seven defensive backs that are entering free agency this year. Um, Richard Sherman being probably the biggest name that you would recognize. And that causes immediate concern because again, the 49ers have $9 million in cap space. It's not like, you know, they're, they're, they have a lot of cap room to work with. They can still go over the cap a little bit. 
uh, depending on how they structure their contracts. But uh, the 49ers have $9 million in cap space. They don't have a lot of maneuverability when it comes to re-signing everybody and keeping the team together, which is essentially what I'm suggesting. So um, they're going to have to address some needs in the draft. And I think that if defensive back is going to be the need, is going to need to be the slot that you address the most. So I think at number 12, you draft Caleb Farley or uh, out of Virginia Tech or Patrick Sertan II out of Alabama. Draft a quarterback, a cornerback, C-O-R. N-E-R-B-A-C-K, cornerback, uh, <laughs> not quarterback. And uh, Patrick Sertan is like 6'2", 195 pounds, give or take, so he's a little bit taller. Uh, it fits the defensive scheme that Robert Sala had in San Francisco. I don't know what the new defensive coordinator, uh, what his scheme is going to be like, if it's going to be more of the same. I imagine it would be. So Sertan definitely fits the mold. Caleb Farley would also be really good. Um and as it as it pertains to the defense back situation, Sherman sat out most of the season with an injury, so you might be able to get him and re-sign him for cheap. He is 33. He's on the downside of his career, so he's going to go into kind of that jump around the team mode, I, I would assume. Um, and another name that you would want to re-sign is Jason Verrett, who had a really good season as well at quarterback. So, uh, quarterback. so if you can't re-sign Sherman for cheap and you can't also sign Verrett and you had to choose between the two, I would choose Verrett. He's three years younger. He had a better season and then address the defensive back need in the draft with Patrick Sertan and Caleb Farley. I don't know where we are on time. I'm trying to speed up and go through with it. Um, Second and third round pick, um, I understand that people are, are uh, you know, getting cold feet on Garoppolo, and I, I, I don't think that the quarterback that the 49ers take a, a, a quarterback with, a, with their second round pick either. Um, it really, I really don't think that they'll take a quarterback. I wouldn't take a quarterback, uh, especially when the defensive back situation is so dire. You really don't have the luxury to go and take one like that. Um, second round pick. I really like Amari Rogers out of Clemson. Obviously, he played in the Senior Bowl a couple of days ago. I think he's a first-round talent that could slip to the second round. I, I like the wide receiver pieces that the 49ers have, uh, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ajuk. I think they're really nice pieces. Amari Rogers could be a really nice third man in that, and he has first-round talent. He's definitely. I think he would probably slip to the second round, depending on how front-heavy, again, the first 10 picks are when it comes to quarterbacks. Um if the 49ers are unable to sign Trent Williams, you definitely should address that need in the draft as well. Um, Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State's a good pick. Um, Taven Jenkins from Oklahoma State is another name that I've heard thrown around. Um, and I know we're getting low on time here, so I'm speeding up. <laughs> um, the third round, the the third round compensatory pick, depending on where it is, this is where you might want to try and get a quarterback. If John Lynch is hell bent on getting a quarterback in this draft. Uh, Kyle Trask, I think, will slip to day two or day three, whatever day the third round is. Kyle Trask is a name that I think might slip in the draft. Uh, and Kellen Mond is somebody that really impressed in the Senior Bowl, so that might be another option as well. So that is how the 49ers can be contenders this next season in 15 minutes or less. I don't have my stopwatch off. I think that was less than 15 minutes. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fingers crossed. Um, Obviously, this segment will get better with time. I'll, I'll kind of be able to... Whew, well, I need to be able to take a breath, first of all. <laughs> um, with time, this segment will get a little bit more concise. I'll get better at it. Um, but that's the idea of the segment. Let me know on YouTube and, you know, uh, in person if you like the segment, if you think we should keep going with it. I like the idea. I think it provides a little bit of challenge for myself to not only, you know, really go through everything for each organization at a time crunch at random 
provides some challenge for me, maybe some entertainment for you, and obviously it's a reason for you all to keep coming back. So, hey, I covered the 49ers today. Let me know, or, or not let me know, but we'll see if you co- we, we cover your team uh, the next time. Man, I need to I need to take a little bit of a break. Whoo-wee! You know, I'm really trying to stay away from uh, Deshaun Watson news, um, mostly because I think it, it's being overdone at this point. I mean, all that's all that's needed to be said has been said when it comes to Deshaun Watson. Uh, and it's all I've seen across all my feeds, whether it's YouTube, whether it's social media. It's like Deshaun Watson this, Deshaun Watson that. A lot of it now is just rumors and hearsay. And until something actually happens, I am trying to stay away from it because I basically have nothing else to add. And I know it would probably would be better for views and clicks if I did talk about Deshaun Watson a whole bunch. But again, I have nothing to say and I don't want to, especially with how infantile this channel is and how young this channel is, I don't want to just keep fixating on one thing. I want to talk about different things. I want to talk about all types of sports. I want to talk about the things that I want to talk about. I want to you know, have a nice variety of show that people can genuinely appreciate uh, and understand the work that goes into it. I think just me sitting here every single day for 20 minutes talking about Deshaun Watson would neither be interesting nor would it be an actual good show. Um, so for that matter, I for that point, I've really tried to stay away from Deshaun Watson. I've tried to stay away from Deshaun Watson news and, and repeating myself, but uh, something happened uh, earlier in the week that I kind of felt that I, like, I needed to comment on uh, and something that I couldn't overlook. And that was the comments that Brett Favre made about Deshaun Watson's uh, demanding of a trade with the Houston Texans. Uh, Brett Favre said in an interview with Yahoo Sports, he said, I'm kind of old school. I think you play, you get paid a ton of money to do a certain job and just do it and let the chips fall where they may. I think we make too much money to voice an opinion, but I'm not saying he's wrong. Again, I think it's a different day and time and it'll be interesting to see how the organization handles it. Uh in short, and simply put, Brett Favre needs to shut up. He absolutely needs to shut his hole. And I don't think that this would have been received well from any quarterback, but it's definitely not received well because it's Brett Favre who said it. Now, it's it, this is probably one of the more hypocritical things I've heard from Brett Favre or really from any you know Hall of Famer in a, in a long time when it comes to talking about, well, in my day, we did this with this and this, and I think that it's going to translate into the NFL today. Like, um, there's a lot of talk about different eras of the NFL, how, you know, things were rougher back then, things were more, um, I don't necessarily, like, organizational. Uh, it's not, it wasn't necessarily about the player, um, whereas today, you know, everything's about the player, everything's trying to protect the player, yada, yada. There's a lot of talk here or there about the differences between the eras, and this just... I know what Brett Favre was trying to say, but it just doesn't apply here. I mean, this is dangerously close to shut up and dribble, uh, if you ask me. And the fact that it's coming from Brett Favre, a man who has retired three separate times, and two of those time, two of those times you could argue it was to just get out of a bad situation or a situation that he didn't want to be in anymore. Uh, for a man that's retired three times and through an absolute temper tantrum when Green Bay uh, drafted his replacement in Aaron Rodgers and nearly refused to tutor him and mentor him, coming from that person, huge Favre needs to shut up and keep to his Wrangler jeans and his his coffee and throwing footballs to his dog and whatever log cabin and whatever state he's living in. Uh, the Deshaun Watson 
in his situation is not only the one of the more justified forcing out of a franchise in recent memory. It might be one of the most relatable and understandable forcing out of a franchise ever. I mean, the Houston Texans are an absolute dumpster fire. I don't know of any NFL player that would take a look at Houston and say, I want to be in that organization right now. Um, I mean, it is an absolute dumpster fire there. And to say that Deshaun Watson, who has been wronged in so many ways by that franchise, and it's not like uh, situations in the past where players that are trying to force their way out of certain franchises, either their main motivation is money or or just competing, like on a contending team. Like, in recent memory, Jamal Adams forced his way out of the New York Jets because he did not like Adam Gase and the Jets were a horrible football team. Horrible football team. They didn't, the Jets didn't necessarily do anything to Jamal Adams apart from being a bad football team. Um, and, and not, not organizationally anyways, where it comes to like, uh, Le'Veon Bell who held out of his contract for more money. That was completely a money situation. That's why he forced his way out. Um, I'm sure there's other examples that I could be, you know, not remembering or not recalling correctly, but you can bear those situations to the situation that Deshaun Watson has in Houston and again, it's the most relatable, understandable, and justified forcing your way out of a franchise I've seen in a long while. I mean, not communicating with Deshaun Watson about new general manager hire, new uh, head coaching hire, and trading away a lot your 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 best wide receiver and your friend in in uh, uh God, what's his name? Hopkins. I can't remember his first name. Um, I I almost called him just Sean Hopkins. I I don't know why. I can't remember his first name, uh, but you're trading away Hopkins, which is his best, one of his best friends on the football team, and you didn't necessarily even tell him that you were doing that. I mean, Bill O'Brien's fun world in, in Houston is, is in full effect, and he's not even there anymore, and I wouldn't think of any player that, again, would want to uh, play in Houston at this point. So and so for Brett Favre to say essentially shut up and dribble, you know, you're paid too much money to make an opinion. I mean, if I were Deshaun Watson, I would be miserable in Houston. Why wouldn't you say anything? Especially with how, you know, active social media is today, especially with how much voices the players are beginning to have uh, when it comes to Black Lives Matter movement as well. You know, developing uh, the player voice is something that's been a underlying story over the past couple seasons. And, um, Sure, you know, Brett Favre is correct in saying that, hey, he played in a different time in a different era when things were different, but that should, you know, if you make that distinction, you should also equally make the realization that what you're saying about Deshaun Watson and what your analysis is on the situation is not accurate and it's not right either. Um, shut up, Again, this is dangerously, dangerously close to shut up and dribble. Brett Favre. Uh, I don't know what throne he's sitting on to be able to make such judgments uh, judgments about Watson's situation, considering that he forced his way, he retired out of Green Bay, he retired again from New York and Minnesota, and many people have argued in the past that his decisions were to retire were specifically to get out of situations uh, that he was not very fond of. Uh, so Brett Favre just needs to enjoy retirement, uh, and with all due respect, please shut up, <laughs> man. I would, I never thought I would say that to probably one of my favorite quarterbacks growing, growing up, but he needs to shut up. Uh, and, 
look, it's a different situation. Absolutely different situation for when he was playing. Moving from, you know, that quarterback situation to um, another quarterback situation. You know, earlier in the show, we talked about uh, the 49ers and how, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot of people want to see him gone in San Francisco, or at least the organization, the front office wants to see him gone. Um, Obviously, reports of the 49ers trading for Matthew Stafford. Um, Now there's reports that the 49ers are wanting to trade for Kirk Cousins, although I don't think Kirk Cousins would necessarily be an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo, but that's neither here nor there. You know, in, in, in an NFL in which it's increasingly apparent that the relationships between coaches and quarterbacks and, and general managers in an NFL in which those relationships appear to change on the daily, it is so refreshing to see a relationship like Tua Tunga Viola with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Brian Flores in Miami. It is so refreshing to see that, to see that relationship. I don't know if it's because the league is really turning into a past dominant league and the quarterback is more important of a role than it's ever been before. It feels like that quarterback role is really just increasing in in importance, even more so than it was uh, even 10 years ago, I would argue. Maybe it's because it's such a past dominant league now, you know, throwing is the (laughs) throwing is the new running running. I mean, I wasn't old enough to enjoy like Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, Walter Payton, I wasn't old enough to uh, enjoy those running backs, those insane running backs. I think, you know, the first running backs that I remember being completely dominant was like LaDamian Tomlinson and Adrian Peterson. Like, those are the first big running back names that I remember being completely dominant. And that was maybe 13 years ago at this point. Sure, the league is different. The league is different, and now it's a past dominant league. And maybe that's why you know relationships between quarterbacks and and head coaches and ownership she- seem to shift so much because it's so important. But when you take a look at you know what's going on in San Francisco with Garoppolo, you know how Jared Goff was was traded away from L.A. and you know he he gets up in his press conference and he says essentially it's exciting to have a team that wants me again. And keep in mind, Goff took the Rams to the suit or not took. I, I you know I, I hate that expression because it could be really misleading as to what actually happened during the season. But he was a part of a of a of a Rams team that went to the Super Bowl two years ago. You know, you take a look at now his relationship with the LA Rams, and they didn't want him anymore after a couple of mass seasons. And sure, it's understandable, but that seems to be a developing trend in the NFL where quarterbacks are starting to get less and less leashes and, you know, ownerships and general managers and front offices can be really hot and cold on their quarterbacks based on recent play. It is more or less a what have you done for me lately league than it's ever been before. So when I take a look at what Tua and the Dolphins have, it's so refreshing to see that relationship. It makes me so happy. This is probably one of the few instances in the NFL where a quarterback loves the team as much as the team apparently loves the quarterback. So much so that, you know, they've come out multiple times and said, we don't want Deshaun Watson. We already have our quarterback. Um, Tua uh, went on uh, ESPN a couple times. He had a couple of interviews with Mike Green in which he said he was disappointed with how he played in year one, uh, is focused on being better, 
and working uh, on his game in year two. Uh, and he said something that I absolutely loved. And sure, it's a little bit misquoted, but essentially he said, I am the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, or I am the Miami Dolphins quarterback. And uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Fitzpatrick chimed in later and said that he has confidence that Tua uh, is going to be better this year. He's going to have a full off season. He's going to have preseason. He's going to have extra time to get used to the NFL. And he also basically reaffirmed that, yeah, the Dolphins like Tua Tango Viola, which, again, is such a refreshing dynamic to have a player that loves the team as much as the team apparently loves the player. Now, sure, a lot of this could be smoke and mirrors. Who knows what's said behind closed doors? I'm not there. I can't tell you. But in a current NFL in which it seems like the relationships between quarterbacks, coaches, and general managers seems to be constantly changing and an uncertain commodity, this is a breath of fresh air to have a quarterback and a team that love each other equally. And, you know, I really hope that that continues into the NFL because, uh, you know, being a Dolphins fan uh, growing up, and sure, uh, I've had to, one of the things about being a reporter is that you kind of lose your sense of fanism, I guess. You're, 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 you, you lose your senses as a fan because being in the press box, you can't cheer. You know, uh, some, some press boxes are a little bit more relaxed than others, but in most press boxes that I've been in, you're not allowed to cheer, like, at all. So you kind of have to subdue the fan in you, and it's lost me some of my fandom to where now I, I just I look at everything objectively almost. But uh, with that being said, growing up a Dolphins fan... I, I can't remember a time in which the Dolphins had a quarterback that actually wanted to be there. And they and I can't remember the time that the Dolphins actually, you know, loved their quarterback. They loved their situation at quarterback. Even with Ryan Tannehill, uh, it never felt like they were 100% committed to Tannehill. And I remember going up, you know, watching Jay Fielder, Jay Feely. Um, and actually, you know, it's, it's kind of funny that, you know, just thinking through the list of quarterbacks, Kind of a similar similar situation to what's going on now. Uh, Drew Brees became a free agent in the 2003-2004 season, and the Dolphins passed on him. Uh, and obviously, Drew Brees went to the Saints, and he had a Hall of Fame, one of the best quarterback of all time careers. And, um, you know, just thinking about how, you know, Drew Brees was available then, and the Dolphins didn't take him then, and now Deshaun Watson is available now. Um, you know, would they, what would happen if they made that, that choice again, and they didn't go with the free agent quarterback and they went with the quarterback that they have, obviously it's a little bit different, but that's interesting to think about, you know, would it result in a same, similar situation in which missing out on Deshaun Watson would, and here we go talking about Deshaun Watson again, <laughs> after the last segment, I said, I'm tired of talking about Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they make a similar choice and it ends up similarly. I don't think it will because, I mean, you think about the Cubans, the quarterback of the time. I can't remember if it was Jay Feely or um, or Jay Fielder. Uh, Dante Culpepper was eventually the quarterback that the Dolphins ended up signing, and he was absolutely horrendous. You know, I obviously it was a little bit different then as where it is to now, where the Dolphins clearly love Tua, and Tua really loves the Dolphins. You know, it's interesting to see how that how that plays out, but it's just so refreshing to have this relationship, and I'm so you know happy that uh, Tua was able to go to the Dolphins, and Fitzpatrick was able to mentor him. And if I'm the Dolphins, I'm doing everything that I can to keep Fitzpatrick in Miami. I understand that you know Fitzpatrick you know, ha- still believes that he can start, he can still be a starting NFL quarterback, and there is definitely teams that are looking for quarterbacks. Uh, the Patriots. Uh, definitely could use somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
Um, but if I'm the Dolphins, I'm doing everything to keep that relationship as pure and happy as it could be. Uh, because not only is it rare, but I think it's very authentic and it's, it's great for culture building, which has been one of the main problems that the Dolphins have had for years and years and years and years is building a strong culture in which people actually want to play in Miami. And again, Tua wants to play in Miami. Miami wants Tua there. It's one of the rare situations that I can remember in the last five or six years in this developing league where the, the quarterback matters more than ever before. In, in, in which, you know, relationships change on the daily. You know, what have you done for me lately type of league where quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo, who was in the Super Bowl the previous the season previous to this one, who's now on the trading block because of a couple of bad games early in the season. You know, it's interesting. You know, that's, that's such a crazy dynamic, and it's so refreshing. It's a breath of fresh air to see that kind of dynamic in today's NFL. Uh, last topic to close out the show today. We had a little bit of a disjointed show, I feel. Um, not really anything that uh, I could have fixed other than, hey, maybe you should go to bed on time. <laughs> uh, but regardless. Over the week, uh, the NBA and the NBA Players Association uh, finally found a date to host an all-star game. Uh, the All-Star Game will take place in Atlanta on March 7th. And, oh boy, the NBA players have had some things to say about it. Now, uh, the NBA Players Association, I think, is still headed by Chris Paul. So, uh, it's not like, you know, every NBA player gets a vote in what happens here. But um, a lot of NBA players are not very happy that there is an All-Star Game. Uh, LeBron James said he doesn't understand why they're having a game. Uh, and he doesn't have the energy for one. And I mean, he as as a team that was that just won the NBA Finals, they only had like maybe less than three months of off season. So you can understand why LeBron would feel that way. And uh, De'Aaron Fox called out and just <laughs> called the game just blatantly stupid. Uh, you know, and I and I and I'm ent I'm entitled and I'm inclined to agree with the players here. I mean, there is no reason why the NBA needs to have an all-star game this season other than it being completely monetary. This is, this is a really good example at how coronavirus is affecting uh, the business side of the NBA. For me, this is strictly a business move, and there is no other way that I really could think of it as anything other than a business move. And it's one that is definitely draw, going to draw some ire from players because it's taking advantage of their time in which I'm sure they were looking forward to having five days off in the middle of the season after a very quick turnaround uh, from season to season and a very inconsistent and exhausting schedule. You know, sometimes you're going to be playing multiple games back to back to back. And sometimes, you know, you're going to have players out for coronavirus or in the health and safety protocol. It's been a wild and wacky, inconsistent, and very exhausting NBA season for a lot of players. So, you know, the fact that the NBA wants to go and have an all-star game for no other reason than just to have one. I, I, I don't know if maybe they're raising money for something like maybe... Uh, the NBA is raising money for coronavirus research. I, I don't know. I can only assume that this is strictly a financial decision to have an all-star game to bring in some kind of money. And uh, 
if I were if I was an NBA player, I would be pissed too. Especially because because the All-Star game is being hosted in Atlanta. Like out of all the basketball cities you could have chosen to host this All-Star game, you choose one of the most active hotspots for coronavirus in the entire country. Atlanta and Georgia have been probably one of the most relaxed states in the entire country when it comes to coronavirus and Let's face it, it's a hot spot there. Georgia is absolutely a hot spot for this virus, even almost a year later from when this started. So the fact that you, you know, the NBA thought a lot about whether they could have an all-star game. They didn't really think about whether should they have an all-star game or not. And now that they have decided that they do want to have and that they should have an all-star game, they're having it in probably as I think the only place that would be worse is hosting it in L.A. where, you know, in California where the virus is also really strong right now, but you're having it in one of the most concentrated hotspots for this virus that it is in the nation. It's like, like, why? Why? This makes no sense. This makes no sense under any circumstances other than just being a financial corporation that needs to make money and is tired of losing money because of coronavirus. Like, I understand, you know, the NBA is probably losing millions upon billions of dollars for missed games, um, you know, players being inactive, uh, they're obviously owners are missing ticket sales. Like I understand it's a, it's, it's mostly a financial decision, but it's like, come on. I mean, the NBA has had really a pretty poor season for, you know, w- with the coronavirus going around when the NBA literally months prior was being praised by everybody, myself included for running a successful playoff in a bubble. Like, I don't know how the NBA makes that flip from saying, okay, we're going to host all these teams in a bubble. It's going to be safe. We're going to be checking for the virus. It's going to be a safe environment in which we all can still enjoy sports to saying, yeah, let's have an all-star game in in one of the most concentrated coronavirus hotspots in the world. It's just like, where's the logic? Where is the logic? I mean, Darren Fox called it pretty, pretty plainly. It's stupid. It's completely stupid. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm actually like, it, it's, it's pissing me off a little bit. Cause I'm, it's like, I'm sure, especially with how these NBA players have been traveling and, you know, dealing with all these circumstances. I'm sure a lot of players were looking forward to that five day period that they were going to have where maybe they can travel home and see their families you know, for once, but nope, now the NBA is going to host an all-star game where, you know, the players that, I I would almost say the unfortunate players that get named an all-star are going to have to not only play a game of basketball during a time in which they would probably be enjoying a break, but they have to sacrifice their health and their safety to play this game for the NBA in a city that is considered one of the hotspots for the coronavirus. I don't know about you, but if I'm a player, I am taking the five days off with my family instead of playing an all-star game in Atlanta, just regardless of the honor of what being an all-star in the NBA brings. I would say, screw that, find somebody else. Uh, It's going to be, I I cannot believe that the NBA is doing this. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets canceled. I would cancel it. If I'm an NBA player, I'm pretty ticked off about this. If I'm a bench player, I'm probably like, eh, it doesn't affect me that much. I'm just going to sit on the bench and make a couple mil. But regard, like, if you're if you're like a LeBron James, a Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, um, Luka Doncic, like, you would want to probably spend some time with your family. 
And now they're just being forced to play this game because money. <laughs> it, it's stupid. Uh, I, feel, I feel for the NBA players in this one. I really, really do. Uh, that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening today. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I'm going to take some time to improve the general manager segment. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great segment, but I think I need some more reps with it before it really becomes the, it really reaches the potential that it should. Uh, So that's going to get better over time. Let me know if you guys have any names for that potentially that you would want to see or if you have any ideas. And again, uh, thank you all so much for watching and listening. And I really do appreciate the support. So uh, we're going to talk about Super Bowl predictions tomorrow. And hopefully there's going to be some more things to talk about tomorrow to make more of a full show. But I'm going to leave Super Bowl predictions uh, for uh, for the Saturday show. With that being said, stay hard headed, but have a nice day.